Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Father, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity we have here tonight to receive your word. Lord, we ask that you guide us into the truth, into all that you have for us. Thank you for your wonderful presence tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. You may be seated. Turn with me, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 17. Our subject is, In Him We Move. Tonight, I am going to be sharing about something important, but I want us to read. This is the famous uh, preaching message by the most famous uh, missionary. In him, verse 28 of Acts chapter 17, verse 28, it says, In him... We, we do what? We live and move and have our being. Amen. In him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your poets have said, but we are also his offspring. Amen. Now, there is something that I believe has been hidden from us as a church. Uh, and, and from the body of Christ generally. And that is the importance of movement. You know, I'm, I'm really not talking, about, I'm not talking about love or patience or anointing or power. I'm talking about movement. Amen. That is my, my subject is movement. The, the need to move and the need to keep moving. Amen. And that is what I have been sharing about over the last few weeks. In him we move. And uh, last week I was sharing with you about how, how we keep moving about. Is that not so? Uh, the Father draws you. You find out that the Lord draw, God draws you. You're, you find yourself drawn or moving towards. So Jesus said to the, uh, the people that you can't come unless the Father draws you. So don't get angry with my message. You can't join because the Father is not drawing you. If he's drawing you, you will not be angry. All right? And uh, we spoke about how Jesus went about. Jesus was not in one place, staying in one place. He was moving all about, preaching. Amen. We saw how Paul traveled often, journeys often. We also saw how we walked deeper and deeper into the river. So all these are forms of movement. And it's very, very necessary for us to understand the revelation of movement in church, in Christ. This is a, an, an important revelation that uh, politicians need to also learn. Uh, years ago, Kwame Nkrumah won the elections. Kwame Nkrumah was not, the, was not unopposed, I believe. He, he was opposed, but he won. Nkrumahism, whatever it stood for, was popular enough to win then. 
But it is not popular enough to win now. Or it is not winning now. Well, we don't know what the next election is going to come up with, but I don't think that Nkrumahism is going to win anything. Right now we have NPPism and Rawlinsism. These are the two things we have, NDCism and NPPism. And that's what is there. So it's between the two, basically, practically, you know. So if you are a politician, you may also learn this revelation that you need to keep moving. You may have been an Nkrumahist, but Nkrumah died some time ago and the whole Nkrumahist thing is past. You get what I'm saying? And so on. I mean, there are new ideas coming up all along. If you, if you go abroad, you see the Labour Party the, in England and so on. They, they, they had to modernize themselves. They, they became new Labour. Because if you don't move on, you'll find yourself always losing election for years and years. And when they modernized their ide- ideas, then Tony Blair came into power. And he has been there for some time. You get it? And so on and so forth. So you got to keep moving. Same thing with business. You may have been selling generators some time ago. It worked when there was no light, but now there's light. So the generators you are selling, it may not work today because we have lights now. You get what I'm saying? And so if your business was selling generators and you were making a lot of money because remember when the lights were turned off and so on, everybody had to get a generator. But now there are generators. I mean, there's lights. So if you keep selling generators, which we don't need, you are likely to be poor. Do you understand? So you have to modify your business. All right? And um, some time ago, water was not sold. Water, water came out of the taps. We drank it. Nobody bought bottled water. Even abroad, no one bought bottled water. Water was something we trusted. We just drank what we saw. When it's clear, then it's water. But now it's sold in uh, bottles and in sachets and all sorts of things. And so you've got, to, you've got to keep modernizing, you know, because you may be drink, making Coca-Cola, 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 but at a point you realize that if you don't add water, your business will go down. So you see the Coca-Cola people, they've added water to their things. Yeah, because the Coke, you know, if you are unscrewing a, a bolt in your car, a rusty bone, it's not going off, you know, just put Coca-Cola on it and you will see it will dissolve. So you realize that the, the Coca-Cola is a wild chemical. So after some time, you realize that uh, this thing, this, I know. <laughs> so I'm a better, I'm a better off drinking water. So as people get wiser, you also have to modify your business so that you can flow along. Are you there? Very good. Same thing comes to uh, Every, every sphere of life, you know, if you, if you take our universities, for instance, if you go to our universities, many of them have not been modernized. You know, they, they have subjects which are of no, you know, relevant use. We, in the University of Ghana, we are studying subjects like archaeology. Do you know what archaeology is? You to dig out of the ground relics and, you know, old fossils and ornaments and things from 2,000 years ago to study and if we if I was to present a subject like ministry, practical ministry to the university that this is a subject that should be taught you will see what they would say oh, 
Immediately, they will react to it. You know, so in him we move. We've got to keep moving. And um, you see some of the signs we have in Ghana. People don't understand it. There's some sign with a that level. It means no parking. But we don't. We understand the one that is in the ground and they put in no parking. Salifu. What was the, the guy's name? Salifu Amankwa, whoever he write the thing. No park. From that time, nobody parks there again. Practical things. You have located a bus stop far from where people are actually going to board the bus. And nobody wants to use that bus stop because this is where we'll get down. So all the cars stop there. Or you don't understand what I'm talking about. Do we have that in Ghana? But there's no one wanting to move. Another thing is that the barriers. Kaswa barrier, this one here. At, at, uh, wager barrier. And if you live on this side, you will see 1,000, 2,000 cars in one line up till 10 o'clock in the night. One line like that, one after the other. No movement. And there is no traffic, only the barrier. And there is a man that's shouting at <laughs> Yes, it's our light. It's our light. <laughs> Is that light? And madam, where, where to? How far? How far? Whether I'm going far or near, how does it affect you? And what information are you, are you getting from asking me how far? Carry on, carry on. The way they do like this, it means you should go. You see, it may, not, it may not look funny to you, but one day I read a, a little article written by, I think, the British High Commission about for, for foreigners when they come to Ghana. They said, when you see somebody flashing a torchlight, it means stop. And the way he flashes it again, it means go. <laughs> because abroad there's nothing like that. There's no one doing this. And the way he does it again, it means go. No, how do you know? Anyway, so, and you see, we, we spend billions of CDs on fuel just lying in the traffic. Children go to school at 5 a.m., they come home at 10 o'clock in the night. Everybody sleeping in the car, wasting money. But because of the lack of progression, if, if, if somebody was thinking about things, they say, you know, we can see that the church can rather help. When President Bush came into power, he realized that the church is able to do certain things better than even the government. And that's a fact. We pastors have more influence on our members than the government. <laughs> so instead of recognizing the power in the church and using it to do the work that needs to be done, we rather find people fighting against churches. Who is this who built universities for Ghana? 
in this era where the government cannot lay even one foundation block, all the governments they can, one lay found one foundation block. It is a church, a charismatic church, which will build the first private university, and followed by the Methodist church, the Catholic church, Seventh-day Adventist church, 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 church. Recognize these people and help them. No. A church is able to use its offering to actually build a university, build a toilet, build a school. Rather, persecute them. We don't renew our mind and move on to the next. We, we become so far behind. It, it's pathetic. So anyway, that's for politics for outside the church. Now to the church. <laughs> that's the main thing. That's just by the way. Sometimes when you go to eat, you have to start with something. It's called appetizer. Now, in the church, we need to learn that we need to move. So today, I want to share with you on what I call agency. Agency. Now, agency is also a medical term. When a person has urinary symptoms, you know, symptoms to do with wee-wee. We have different names. Frequency, dysuria, polyuria, polydipsia. And one of them is frequency and agency. When a person has to pass urine and cannot wait. You, 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 the, the, the desire and the urge is so intense, you cannot forestall it. You cannot hold on. It's called agency. I have to go now, otherwise something bad will happen immediately. Stop the car now. I have to jump out. You get it? That's called agency. Now, agency speaks of having to move now. So tonight I'm talking about agency. Now, many things in God require agency. And the lack of agency is the reason why many of us don't make it in our Christian lives. We miss the bus so many times, there's no more bus coming our way. How many know that there's a time which you don't get any more transport? It's past. You've missed it. So, God wants to show us also that even in deciding to be a moving person, because without moving in the church, you soon become someone who is left out. And I can see it, even though our church is not very old, I can see that people who came into this church years ago sometimes get left behind as the church moves on. Because you see, God is always doing something with us. He's always speaking to the leaders of the church. And we ourselves have to keep moving. Once I'm talking, be turning to Exodus. In fact, the book of Exodus speaks of movement. Exodus means to go out. So agency is a very, very important revelation. You need to move with God, but not just to move. Oh, I'll move in my own time. I'll do what I have to do in time. But ladies and gentlemen, many times what God has for you can only be done urgently. If you miss the agency of the command, you miss it. You never have it again. And it is interesting 
that it is rather the church which is seen or perceived subconsciously as something that will always be there. If there is ever anything that is assumed that it will always be there, it's the church. For instance, if someone has to come to work in a church or go to school, people will say, go to school. The church is always there. When you finish your church, when you finish your school, as for the church, it is always there. Is it not true? As for the church, it is always there. If you want to work for God, you can always work for God. Even look at me, I'm an old man. I am working for God. As for God, you can always work for him. He is always there. So the church and working for God, moving on with God and doing what God says is the thing which has often got the least agency because it is the most disregarded aspect of our lives, the church. For instance, many people don't know how the church causes security and stability in this world. It is only after the rapture when the church is removed that you will see the effect of the church. You imagine if there was no church in your life. You are so used to church that you don't know what it is. And the most valuable things that we have are usually the things that we are used to, like water. Look, if there is no water in Accra and the water continues to stay off for some days and for some weeks, people will not even come to church. People will not even go to work. I have been, I was in school once when the whole school was closed down. I mean, I was a student. I was very happy that the school was being closed down. But I was surprised to find the school was really brought to its knees. And in my school, Achimota School, there was a huge underground water reservoir or so. And apart from that, we had a swimming pool. But I tell you, the water shortage continued for so long that it was impossible it was impossible I, I forget the date but it was impossible to continue oh, we never we never thought, think twice about water the important things in the school are maybe the headmaster is important but the headmaster dies the school will not stop for even a day yeah not even for a day you may think the president of, the president is important if the president dies the school will not close down but if water stops, the school will close. If lights go off at a point, the country will become ungovernable. These are things we take for granted. They are often the most important. Because we are so used to them. They make our lives normal. That's how the church is. It's probably one of the most important things in your life. Without the church, you probably will not be a normal person. You people, let me tell you, it is often the church that gives you a little meaning to your life. Just a little meaning. You see, before Adam fell, he, he worked. But he worked for God. But in the day that he died, he lost that work. And he was cursed to sweat and suffer to eat. So after death, when you are no longer experiencing the life of God, you don't work for God. You work just to eat. Most people are just like rats in a rat race, just working to get something to eat. And if you are from Cain's side, because he gave birth to Abel and Cain, Cain 
was also cursed further. He was cursed and told that the ground will now no longer give you its strength. So apart from the sweat, when you sweat, it would also bring the strength. It would just give about 20%. So if you are on from Cain's, I don't know whether you are from Abel's side or Cain. I don't know. Ask the person next to you. Are you an Abelic Abel- Abel- person or a Cainic person? If you are from Cain, then you will find out that even after sweating, still, you are not enjoying certain blessings. You sweat, but a percentage of your strength is recognized. Zimbo. <laughs> How many have worked before you realize that it's only a percentage of your sweat that seems to be yielding some fruits? How many have realized that you are probably from Cain's side? <laughs> you shouldn't have raised your hand on that one. So, insanity, insanity is caused by having, not having a meaningful job. During the Second World War, the Germans arrested several intellectuals and gave them meaningless jobs. And many of them went mad. Like there'll be a heap of stones here. Say, carry all the stones here. A professor carry the stone go here bring this stone here and when you finish now take it all back and they will go up and down up and down meaningless jobs many of them went mad they found all sorts of ways to drive them crazy before the fall of man which was called life after God said in the day not later in that day you will die so the grave is not death. That's why in the Bible, the death and the grave are always separated. Oh grave, oh death, where is your victory? Oh grave, where is your sting? The grave is different from death. Any man who does not know Christ and does not know is already dead. Only you are going to walk into the grave. Grave is different from death. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. And this is eternal life that they may know thee, O God. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. So when Jesus comes into our lives, we have life. That's when we come alive. And the Bible says you are quickened or made alive in him. So before you come to know Christ, you are walking in death. Because in the day that Adam sinned, he entered something called death. And now he was just sweating to survive. Most of us are just survivors. Look at your father and look at your mother. Have you not noticed why old people they don't paint their houses? They don't, they are you see, they've painted it many times. They've renovated, they've done things, they are tired, they, it doesn't get anywhere, it's nothing. They've repaired things, so it doesn't change. Oh, you see that they are, they, they, the zest and the zeal is gone. If it were not for God and his work, many of us will have no meaning to our lives. Church is what gives meaning to many people's lives. I thank God that I've even been able to go further and that all my life I work for him. It's a very meaningful life. I don't work for money. I work for Jesus. 
But there is a need to accept the fact that working for God and doing things with God needs urgency quickly in the movement, not just oh, in the sweet by and by. One day, one day I'll, I'll, I'll pay the tithes. One day I'll obey. One day I'll serve him. One day, one day, oh, I'll do it. One day, oh, as for God, he's always there. As for the church, it's always there. Oh, one day. Jesus said, I must work whilst it is day. The night cometh. The night cometh. He was urgent. He, he felt the urgency. He said, I can feel the night is coming. What is the night? The night is when you cannot do what you can do during the day. When you are doing something, you know the night is falling. And when the night comes, you cannot do those things. You become urgent. And urgency comes into your movement. The Bible says that pass your time of sojourning on this earth in fear. I checked the meaning of the word sojourn. It means a temporary place. Living in a temporary place away from home. So pass your time in this temporary place which is away from home with fear. It's a temporary place. Count your years and you will see you don't have much left. It's just a matter of time. You'll be lying like this. If you're a woman, they'll buy a wedding dress for you. If you're a man, they'll put an old suit on you. If you're lucky, they'll say, go and buy a shirt from London for him. When my father died, he said, go and buy a shirt, a white shirt from here. Go and buy this and that and that. We had to buy all those things. That time I was not experienced with a lot of things. But when you are also sad, they say, buy this, you buy. I bought all. You will know that you don't have much time. So, it is interesting that in the Old Testament, when God was, listen, I've, I've almost finished preaching. Almost finished. Listen carefully. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, when God was moving them out of Egypt, he moved them with agency. And based on that agency, he instituted a festival which should always remind them of how they didn't just move. We are going Heaven knows where we are going. We know we will. Pastor, we are also coming along. Gradually. Things will be alright, Pastor. We'll, we'll also join you. You have been preaching, shouting too much. Relax, Pastor. We are also coming to work for God. You, are not, you cannot win the whole world in one week. Okay, Pastor? Relax. One day somebody told me, he says, when you preach, they seem to, he, you know, he said, you know, it seems there's something, I mean, you are, you are, you are, you are. I don't know whether he wanted to say I was youthful or I don't know what. Look, there is an agency within me that is driving me. Yeah, I don't know how many years I will live. I don't know how long, I, I don't know how long you will live. You keep me, hey, when he says this, we don't know whether he's going to die. I also don't know whether you are going to die. I also don't know whether you are going to die. You keep looking at me like that. I don't know when I'll die, and you also don't know when you will die. And since I don't know when I'll die, I am working as though I'll die tomorrow. We must preach to dying men as dying men, dying men to dying men. When you think of that, you always be wise on this earth. Look at me, I've been working for the Lord all these years as though the rapture is tomorrow. And one day it will be tomorrow. 
One day it will happen. So the Lord decided to take the people of God out of Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 12, all right, verse 29, you know the story of Pharaoh. I don't want to bore you with that story, but I'm going to read one verse. Verse 29. And it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon. And all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was not a house where there was not one dead. There were dead people everywhere. This was mass funeral. Verse 31. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night. And said, rise up and get you forth from among my people. Both ye and the children of Israel. Go. Serve the Lord as you have said. Not just serve the Lord, but serve the Lord as you have said. Some people will allow you serve the Lord, but in my way. Because at the point when Pharaoh realized he was losing the negotiation, he said, go, but leave your cattle. Leave other things. Go without your money. People want to serve God without their money. You have to serve God with your money. You have to serve God with your possessions. You have to serve God with everything that you have. So he said, go as you have said. Also take your flocks and your heads as you have said. And be gone. And bless me also. Now Pharaoh is asking for a blessing. Wow. Isn't it powerful? And the Egyptians were urgent. Circle the word urgent. Urgent upon the people. That they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we be all dead men. And the people took their dough. Before it was leavened. Circle those words. Before it was leavened. They took the dough from which they were going to make bread. You know, before it was leavened. If you know anything about baking. I think bakers usually work in the night. And then they bake their bread early in the morning. Is that not so? Now it was midnight. And their bread which they were going to break. And release in the morning fresh rolls, fresh loaves. Auntie Philippa, am I right what I'm saying? Is that how it happens? Bakers all over the world, every part of the world, they seem to work in the night. By morning, the bread is, is it risen? It rises overnight. And then you bake it, what time? 4 a.m., 5 a.m., you put it in the oven. How long does it take to bake? 45 minutes. Only 45 minutes easy so the long part is the leavening of the bread what is leaving it's a little bit of dough which is sour sour dough that is different from the other you put it in and it affects it ferments agitates the rest of the dough the, the rest of the dough is cool like that but when the living comes in agitated the molecules are moving the alcohol is just moving in the thing and it causes a state of excitement and the thing starts to rise and it gets bigger and bigger are you listening to me but before the bread could be living rush out of Egypt before your bread is living 
instituted a whole festival, there were only three festivals. Feast. Feast of the Passover. Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, Feast of Passover, which was the Feast of this Unleavened Bread. Feast of the Weeks and Feast of Tabernacles. This was one of them. Based on, and the whole thing was around unleavened, you must eat unleavened bread. To remember how you left Egypt in haste before it was time for your bread to be leavened. Are you still around in the church? Many Christians, God opens the door and says, move now. Come and serve me now. Come and do this for me now. Come and do my work now. And they say, we are coming. Like at this, like at that. They come slowly. Gently. And before they realize, the bread is living. Now let me just start from somewhere. There are four reasons why agency is very important in your life. I told you that my message was very short. The first reason is that Pharaoh is going to change his mind. The same Pharaoh who said, bless me, is going to change his mind. The opportunity to go will not be there just by tomorrow. By tomorrow, he will change his mind. And you can see that Pharaoh changes his mind in chapter 14. You see in chapter 14, the Bible says, God predicted, he said in verse 2, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and encamp. Verse 3, for Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh. Verse 5, and it was told of Exodus 14, it was told the king of Egypt that the people fled and the heart of Pharaoh and of his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? Why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. And he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. And they came after them. Ladies and gentlemen, so help me God, let me tell you many things that God tells you to do. The, the window... The window within which you can do it is a very small window. It's a very small window. Many of us, because we wouldn't serve God at a certain point, we are never able to serve him until we lie down in our graves. Because we wouldn't do certain things at a certain time, it never is possible anymore. Pharaoh was about to change his mind in the morning, but at that time, he was rather saying, bless me. Pharaoh is kneeling down. When somebody said, bless me, Pharaoh's kneeling down, please pray for me, Moses. Pray for my family, pray for my future, pray for the political stability of my country, pray for my future. Bless me, Moses, before you go. It was just about 12 hours to go before he would change his mind and say, what? What have we done? Why have we done this? Ladies and gentlemen, when you sense a little gap, huh? A small door swinging for you to work for God, for you to serve Him, for you to do, even for you to give an offering. Look, financial situations, it varies. Life is like this. When you sense a small gap, 
for you to do something. Just do it then. It will probably pass and you never see it again. I'm telling you. I've watched it happen over and over and over and over. God's work is an urgent work. His will for your life is urgent. Sometimes when you don't get married, you have missed, because sometimes you have to marry urgently. No, I'm serious. Many people don't marry urgently when they should marry urgently. And they go and get themselves involved in sin. Many of us here have been involved in fornication just because you didn't marry. You should have married agent. And you see, it always affects you psychologically. Even though sometimes you still marry the person, but psychologically, you know, you, 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 it affects you. Because this is a spiritual thing. And so God, some, I remember one of our pastors, he was telling me, he said he saw himself going on a journey very far. And he was going very fast. And suddenly something happened. He had to return and come back to behind where he started. And at that time, he was not married. He said, I sense that God is speaking to me to marry. Because this journey, I've gone far already. I can, something can happen and return me. I said, brother, I understand the problem you are talking about. I release you to marry. He was a student and he got married in school. Better safe than sorry. He got married. He got married. It's time to marry. I'm in school. I'm getting married. I don't want any trouble. But some of you, it doesn't really matter to you. And that is why your life is so messed up. So ladies and gentlemen, sometimes there's a small gap. And sometimes you go and impregnate somebody. Now, your whole life, you, have, you, are now, you have a stepmother. You've created a stepmother and then a stepfather and a stepchild and a step home and you've created a child with problems and whenever you are going to marry now this child is following you and say mommy where is daddy when I went to school today this person told me that daddy will come and beat me Bitch, where is my daddy baby your, your daddy I don't know where your daddy is your daddy is a very wicked man he's gone away that is a wicked man. When it was time for you to marry, maybe you wouldn't marry. You're just playing around with different people. Playing around with different people. Doing things. So oh, I want to have a wedding. I want to... Sometimes you have to marry without a wedding. Listen to me. I'm talking seriously. Don't shout here. Listen. Sometimes you have to marry without a wedding. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Hey, do you understand what I'm talking about? Because when we look at your financial situation now... It's going to be seven years before you will have a breakthrough to be able to have that kind of wedding you are talking about. Many years ago, one of our, one of our Christian brothers, this is exactly what happened to him. He was waiting, for, he was waiting for, the, for a suit to be sent to him from London. And he was waiting for a dress from somewhere. And this from here. And this from here. And this from here. Ow! They waited, and they waited, and they waited, and the fire was burning. Before you could say Jack Robinson, 
or before you could say Jack Toronto, the sister was now pregnant. Can you believe that the, the, the suit that was coming from London was never used? The dress that was coming from wherever was never used? The uh, 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 souvenirs that were coming from Massachusetts were never used? The shoes that were coming from Toronto were never used? Agency. You see, brothers, sometimes you, you yourself can feel the agency within. Within. Oh, I'm on enjoy. I don't have to say certain things here. You get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Look, we are in church. You have to understand the code. <laughs> huh? And we need a basement for this message. <laughs> we need to go underground for this message. I can't say it in the air. Agency, 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 agency. Me, when I finished school, I said, hey, I can wait no longer. That is it. Sign, 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 sign. I was married. Finish. Some of you are waiting for this, waiting for this, waiting for this, waiting for this. Oh! If you don't take care by the time you get married, you can't walk again. Hmm? <laughs> the brothers know what I'm talking about. The brothers know what I'm talking about. So you better receive it in the mysterious code. Because I, I will not explain further. Okay. So marry sometimes agency. Agency is needed. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Sometimes God opens a small window for you to work for him full time. That's it. Sometimes he opens a small door for you to, to be a missionary. Sometimes he opens a door for you to sweep in the church. Sometimes he opens a door for you to be a security guard. But you look at it and you say, oh, that's for the church. It's always there. School is not always there. This is not always there. The next reason why you need agency is because you will sometimes miss your blessing. As the children of Israel, you miss your blessing. You miss the blessings that go with walking through the door. When the children of Israel were going through, the Bible says that they borrowed money. The children did according to the word of Israel. And they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. You see, at 1 a.m., when somebody is borrowing your silver and your gold, when there is a dead body in the house, and he has come, and the person looks like a powerful priest or some kind of juju, because the Israelites, they look like some spiritual powers. They came on the door. Call, call, call. Your your two brothers are dead. Yeah. We want to borrow certain things from the house. We need, we hear you have certain investments. Okay. You, you, you. We need gold, gold, gold. Bring all the rings. Put them here. We will bring it back. Okay. No problem. Bring it back. And the people are looking. Meanwhile, there's a dead man sitting in the cellar. There's a dead girl lying there. Somebody's wife is died. Somebody's father is dead. They're all there like that. Dead bodies. 
and the Israelites, everybody, there's a dead person everywhere. Now, Israelites are standing there, say, Bring the money. Bring. We are going to, we, we need it for something. You, 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 move. Bring the money now. Bring the basket. Bring the basket. It was 1 a.m. The people died at midnight. Pharaoh was going to change his mind in the morning. And the people have suddenly, when somebody dies, very scary. Newer, after some time you recover, but initially, it's, oh, how? I mean, you hold the person, you shake the person. No, yeah. Look, uh, bring your, this in there right now. Gold, silvers, and other things. You are here, you had engagement last week. Bring the, this in. <laughs> bring your diamond ring now. And at 1 a.m., it worked. But it wouldn't work in the morning. In the morning, you go and ask her, bring my, uh, bring go. Why should I bring my go? Who, who do you think you are? Nonsense. Even this person who's dead, we are very happy that he's dead. He used to cause a lot of problems in the house. We are happy that he's dead. If you think that whatever, because somebody is dead, nonsense. Then you see that the whole thing has changed. Before you don't take it, they will, they will, they will arrest you. We finish crying. It's morning. Everything has changed. When I look at my life, I realize that by now I'll be returning from America. I'll be returning from America to come and start the ministry that God put in my heart. Come and start. Now. Huh? I'll, be, I'll be coming to start. So, okay, I, I, one or two people, pull some people together and do whatever. Hmm. Wow. It was only at that time that I could have done. And you see, in those days, well, I'd go with Reverend Saki, we stand in Collegono here. Beat milk things together. Shout for people to come. You see, there is a time you can do that. There is a time. Even right now, when I go, if I'm just walking somewhere, people say, Lighthouse, 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 lighthouse. I see them talking about me all the time. I say, Oh, these people. Recently, I went to a drinking bar to witness. I was witnessing to some people who were drinking somewhere. Then the waiter came to call me. He said, Some people there are calling you. I said, Who are they? <laughs> so there's a certain man that he says, You should come, you should please come. So when I went, they said, oh, We have been seeing you on television. We would like to talk with you. And they were drinking their beer. And they, I, I look to them like, I mean, somebody they see on television, like Donald Duck or Mickey Mouse or somebody who has come in real life. So we want to hold you and see whether you are real. <laughs> Not that they want my message. Oh. We have been seeing you on television. Is it you? Is it you? <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, there's a blessing that comes. Sometimes even financial. Oh, yeah. But now we are moving to the next, the dangerous ones. The danger of not moving urgently is the living. The living. Living will now get into you when you don't move quickly. And it's not that you don't move, but you don't move quickly. Living. And living in the Bible is a type of sin or a type of condition. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible speaks about the, unli- the living. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaving leaveneth the whole lamp? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lamp. He was talking about somebody who was fornicating. As you are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. You see, we are still to keep the feast. But it's a different kind of feast. Not with the old living, neither with the living of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. When you fail to move along with God, the living, you see, that living was a physical thing, but it actually stands for these evils. Sometimes when we fail to move with God, we tear all sorts of evils that we can never imagine how they came into our lives come into our lives and you find people beginning to walk in sin and in evil in fornication and, and you find them doing all kinds of things one day I was talking to a pastor and he, he told me about this scripture union leader and this scripture union leader was someone whom I personally had encountered as an SU leader of his day even he had continued being an SU leader when he finished school. Because one day we wanted to borrow instruments from them or some permission for them to do something. And he was the one we had to see. But this man, now dying, hmm, because he was now not moving along with God. You see, God looks like somebody, oh, he's there. That's for God. We serve him when we are old. We we'll give up offerings and our children will be priests for us. Don't worry. But now this man was dying. And the pastor said to me, I was in my house at 1 a.m. And this man came to knock. 1 a.m. Shaking the gate. And he and said, tell him so and so is here. They opened the door. He came in. And he sat down. Dying. And he began to confess. It's a scripture union. Leader. What I have been involved with. I've been involved in this and involved in this and involved. And I'm dying. Pray for me, Pastor. It was not long after that he died. Many times when we don't move on urgently, assuming that as for God, as for God, he's there. University of Ghana is not always there. University of whatever is not always there. Let me go to America and come. Let me go here. Let me do this and that. As for God, he's there. Let me just ask you. Let me do a poll. If there was somebody who wanted to come and work for, for the Lord, maybe be a missionary, maybe serve the Lord in the house of God. And his parents had a uh, scholarship for him to go to Harvard. And he was coming to work in Lighthouse in Collegono. And he was going to go to others come to work in Lighthouse in Collegono or go to Harvard University. What do you think people say? Lighthouse is always there. Church is always there. My son, if you want to work for God, you can always work for God. This is the time to go to school now. Go to university. Do this, do this, do that, whatever. Look at me. I, I sacrificed my spe specialization. I didn't specialize. I didn't specialize in psychiatry. I didn't specialize in obstetrics and gynecology. I didn't specialize in surgery. I didn't specialize in uh, orthopedics. I didn't specialize in ophthalmology. I didn't specialize in uh, pediatrics or pediatric surgery or any of that. I, I left. I, I mean, because I couldn't. I had to leave it at that time. Or somebody said, oh, you can just specialize. You just take a year or two. A year or two? Listen, the window within which I moved to be here today is a very small window. And I can tell you, even in my small church, when I make an offer to somebody, within a few days, the offer changes. 
When I offer people, I say, do you like this? No, 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 no. By the time they come, the thing is finished. It's gone. Small window. And then when you don't enter, you'll be surprised sometimes at the kind of sin and evil and other things that also enter your life. But more dangerous is the last leaving. And the fourth reason why you've got to move urgently is the leaving of the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, Beware of the leaving of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Matthew 16 verse 6. What is the leaving of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Is the living of self-righteousness and unrighteous judgment and criticism and the living of legalism where now we begin to we, we begin to stay in our old analysis of righteousness and criticize anybody who has moved ahead what we think is the right thing and we've been doing as the right thing when we see somebody moving ahead, we stay behind, and then now the living of the Pharisees, because we don't move urgently, the living gets into the door, and the thing starts to puff up. And then you begin to have those things. And Jesus specifically said, the living, there's even the living of Herod, but we don't have time for that. The living of the Pharisees is what I'm talking about. Many people become Pharisees. When they see people moving on urgently, they look at them and they say, ah, this guy. You know, I thank God that I came to serve him when I did. Because look, I would have been the greatest critic, especially of charismatic churches. I remember one day, one medical student brother of mine, he went to a church, just one of these big churches in, in Accra. I don't know how come, but the pastor's, made a mistake, or not a mistake, but I think he was their friend, but he didn't know. You know, sometimes somebody's with you, you don't know what he's thinking. One day he came back from church and he started to criticize the, the pastors. Very big church. He said, I, you look at them in between service, between their second first service and their second service, second service and third, you see them drinking coke and cracking jokes and he started to make derogatory remarks about them and so on and it was easy because you see, when you see somebody move God, that, there's a new charismatic church was surging forward everybody says surging forward yeah, when you see somebody surging forward and he's leaving you behind then you immediately go here look at her look at him look at him look at him as soon as you see somebody going ahead Ah, and me, you see, I came from the strictest SU background. So as people move into charismatic churches, and say, oh man, I would have, I said, look at them, driving flashy cars, chopping the church's money, look at them flying around, first class, and whatever, just enjoying the poor people. Look at the people in their churches. Poor, poor people. Oh, it would have been me. I, yeah, I would have said it. Because it's easy to see it that way. It's easy to see when somebody is driving a car. Say, ah, I told you. I told you. 
Dagi Ward Mills. Somebody said, well, I, somebody said, oh, I had a lot of respect for Dagi Ward Mills until I saw him driving his car. And then I lost my respect for him. <laughs> Beware of the living of the Pharisees. Huh? Yeah. I lost my respect for Dagi Ward Mills. Now you see, that's what I call self-righteousness he has lost his respect for me because of a car that I'm driving he has lost respect for me That's, that, is, that is how we are derided by people who are lost me I don't commit abortions I don't fornicate I am that type look I keep my life I'm a very principled person there are certain things I'm not involved with, you know, myself and my family. Since I got married, there are certain things that we do on Sundays. We go to church. I believe in having a decent family and contributing to the nation, to my family well-being. Now, these type of pastors who come around waving their hands when things they are something about anointing and oil and so on. We are not deceived. We've been Christian for many years. We've been Christian for many years. Pharisees speaking, oh, listen. We have been Christian for many years. These things don't deceive us. You see, we were not born last week. We were born long before last week. We have seen them behaving like this. And it's easy to speak that way. Because the people, you see, the charismatic, we have brought more people to Christ than whoever. Than you in your self-righteousness. Even if we are lost, so many people have come to know Jesus through Duncan Williams, Otabels, Doug Heward Mills, uh, Ankara, name them. Thousands and thousands of people have been saved. And uh, who? Osaikrum. Okay. Listen. Listen carefully. You can criticize all you want. But you see, if you've ever been in a car, I once bought a car because I was trying to save money for the church. And I was driving to Tamale. In my car, which had, you know, was, it was so cheap that I had saved a lot of money for the church. And that was all that I was concerned about. Till I pressed the brake. The brake, the car was supposed to stop. And it was a, quite a new car. And instead of stopping as it had been advertised that it would stop, it did not stop. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And I had, I had four other pastors in the car with me. Young, young people. And I was saving my... But you see, you haven't been there before. So as I pressed my brake, then this road, there's a, there's, it's a mountain. And there's a valley on the left and a valley on the right. And I saw that I was going into this valley. I managed to turn the car before I realized I was now facing Accra. But we were still moving. In him we move. I was moving. <laughs> Are you listening to me? So, the next thing I found was our car was now somersaulting. Upside down. We're going, turning. And I was holding the steering wheel. I said, Lord, I'm going for a crusade. You know I'm going for a crusade in Tamale. I'm going to preach. But I was saving money. You see, the self-righteousness of, 
I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, and whatever. Maybe you haven't been at a certain place. After that experience, I say, you know, if I need this car that is necessary for my ministry, it's a tool, just like a surgeon needs a knife to cut, he needs a glove, he needs whatever. If I need a car, I will, take the, I will buy the car. It's as simple and short as possible. You may sit with your big nose lifted in the air and say, eh, look at these people. Hmm. If they were uh, this thing, would they be doing what they are doing by now? Yeah. You say they are like, oh, it would have been easy. As soon as somebody surges ahead of you, you see his back and it, it irritates you. The jealousy and the spirit of Cain pains you. Because you see, you know what happened between Cain and Abel? They were both brothers. But God blessed Abel's offering. And Cain saw that God was blessing Abel. He said, hmm, why is he blessing him? And Cain was angry. And Bible said he rose up and killed him. Jealousy caused the first conflict. And the Bible says Jesus Christ was crucified because of envy. Mark 15. He was crucified because of envy. Jealousy. When you see somebody surging ahead, everybody say, surging ahead. As soon as you see somebody going ahead, eh, ahead, because he is moving urgently and you are not moving urgently, you immediately begin to see his faults. And when you want to see faults, you will see. Because we are made with faults. We are manufactured with faults. We have the faults. The fault that we have. As I'm preaching, I'm not perfect. I have sins. I have mistakes. I have errors. I have thousand things that are wrong with my life. I'm preaching under the blood of Jesus. I'm preaching not because I'm better than you. I'm preaching because he has asked me to preach. But when you see somebody surging ahead of you, then you start to say, uh, look at this small, small boy. They say they are missionaries. Eh? When did they come to the church? Sometimes I have people in my office to help to God, you know, not to guard, but to bring some order. Coordinate. Then you have people come to, hey, when did you come to the church? Small girl. Come on, clear away from that. Do you know when I joined the church? Come on, move away. Oh, shame. Pharisee, it is paining you. Somebody has moved ahead and now you are now calling on, when did the person join the church? When did this person come? When did this person come? When did that? You have failed to move ahead. When I offered you to work in the church full time, you wouldn't. Somebody likes to be a doorman in the house of the, the Lord. You prefer to be a doorman in Barclays Bank or Standard Chartered Bank or wherever. And I also don't value that. One day somebody came and gave me a card, a complimentary card of a, 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 a whatever, manager of such and such and such bank. I told Reverend Saki, well, later I saw my soul. The manager of a sandcastle has brought me his uh, complimentary card. Do you know sandcastle? A heap of sand that is going to be removed away with the next wave. Water is coming just now to clear it away. You don't respect the church. I also don't respect money. We are either taking God or mammon. These are the two opposing things. Me too, money is not my goal. My, my, my goal is God. My goal is the church. Is it paining you? When you see somebody surging ahead, moving ahead, and going to shut your beak and say, and that girl, I hear she slept with somebody last two weeks. And then uh, two, two days ago, I heard that this and this and that. Oh, shame. The living of the fire, because you delayed, you know, the living has now started to affect you. The living. You are puffing up. Because you didn't move when some people were moving. 
I said, because you didn't move when some people were moving. It's paining you. I said, it is paining you. People here, you are boasting about where, how long you've been in the church. How long you've been in the church and so what? When did they tell you that we are using the number of years you've been in the church to, to determine anything? So I've been in the church for 17 years. I've been in the church for 12 years. I've been in, some people have just joined the church and they are moving rapidly. Agency. You are coolly moving. As for the church, it will always be there. And the living is now affecting you. You are now beginning to walk into sin. You are now beginning to become a self-righteous and righteous judgment. Condemning people. You are now condemning. You are criticizing me. I thank you for criticizing me. Maybe when you have, when you have done a little of what I have done, eh, and you get involved a bit, then maybe you, you, you will wonder, you will, you, will, you will discipline your tongue. Or maybe something else will discipline your tongue. When you have done one third of what Bishop Duncan Williams has done, or one tenth, or if not one tenth, one hundredth, or one thousandth of the people that he has influenced, perhaps then you will probably learn. You see, you see a, a man of God said, look at uh, what he's doing now. It's a very disgraceful, uh, this, uh, what do you call it? And he said, they say the wife has left him now. You see, you see, this, you see it has confirmed my, my, my fears all these years. So, you see, these new churches that have come, they are very unreliable. They are very unreliable. I have been saying it all, all along. You have you've been hearing my discussion on radio. They are not reliable at all. So this man, you say his, uh, his wife has left him. So you see, we knew all along there is something fishy going on. Now you are criticizing somebody's marriage. One day I was, I was somewhere, that someone was criticizing a pastor whose wife had left him and he was, he was, he was, he was left. <laughs> I hear the wife has left him. And then he got up and he was going to take some biscuit. And then he, he passed by me and I pulled his chair. I pulled his chair. He looked at me and said, careful. Be careful. I said, be careful. You have been seeing certain things. One day I was talking to Bishop Duncan Williams. He was telling me, he said, some of these self-appointed, self-proclaimed pastors, when the prince of Ghana visits them, some few times, they will run away from the ministry. Reverend Eastwood was, we'll be having a convention with Reverend Eastwood very soon. And um, one day, Reverend Eastwood was, Reverend Eastwood was going through certain challenges, certain persecutions and certain troubles. But you see, somebody who is behind, who has not moved urgently, will not empathize or sympathize or understand. But when I was talking to the bishop, he, you know, he, he, he told Reverend, he said, Eastwood, the prince of Ghana has located you. <laughs> the prince of Ghana has located you in Bogatanga. That is the reason for some of the troubles you are experiencing. 
Because you see, an experienced man will know that sometimes the troubles which somebody is facing is not because of anything, no, but it's because of who he is, where he is standing, the chair on which he is sitting. Now, when you have never surged ahead, when you have never moved ahead, and you have not moved urgently, you don't know about some of these things. So you speak ignorantly about things you do not understand. Oh, I have also spoken ignorantly about things I didn't understand. All of us have. How many have spoken about things you didn't understand? You just see somebody and say, Ah, this man, he likes dressing too much. You haven't surged ahead. But when you surge ahead, I said, when you surge urgently ahead, then you begin to see that the living cannot affect you. Look. When I searched ahead into Tamale to start a church there years ago, one day I went to Tamale to visit. You know, when you haven't moved, you can criticize. When I went to Tamale, I was looking for churches in the north of Ghana. You know, I couldn't find any charismatic church with all our big criticisms. You know the church I found there? The Catholic church. Catholics, Catholics, they are there. They've built churches. They have uh, what? Priests, fathers. When you have it said ahead, it's easy to criticize. Many of us criticize Catholics. We criticize them. They are holding their whatever. They are praying to Mary and so on. Look, Mary was a very good person. You know, if you read about her, you see that she was a good person. I'm not saying you should pray to her, but think about it. You see that she, you can easily pray for her. I mean, pray to her because she was a good person. <laughs> I mean, by mistake, you can easily pray for her because she's a very good person. <laughs> Many people criticize Catholic priests. Recently, my wife traveled and my children too traveled. So, when I came home one day, I said, ah, I'm now a Catholic priest. I don't have a wife. I don't have a child. I have nothing. Just me and my house. I, my house became a monastery. I became a monk. And I said, thank God for Catholic priests. Hey, they try. When they go home, they just go quietly. You open the fridge. You just, you and your house, there's nobody to talk to. Fact. Try being a Catholic priest for just two days. Then, what have you been through? One day I was traveling from somewhere and I, I saw a Catholic bishop on the plane. And I had been away from home. I had missed my wife, my family, and so on. I was planning on getting home, planning all the things I was going to do when I get home. So, then I saw this Catholic bishop, and I remember this guy, he has neither wife nor child. So I went to sit by him, to talk to him. I was talking with him, talking with him. Then just before I left, I said, sir, can I ask you a question, a personal question? He said, okay. I said, what is it like? What is it like to be without getting married? (laughs) You are just there. He looked at me. 
Listen to his answer. He looked at me and said, it's hard. It's hard. You are laughing. <laughs> You'll be surprised when you go to heaven. People have sacrificed for God. Somebody didn't marry because of God. Hey. Because if you don't marry, you can work harder. I tell you, if you don't marry, you can work harder. When you are married, eh, you have a whole lot of issues. When my wife and children were not here, oh, I was receiving more revelations from God. (laughs) Oh, God was speaking to me every day. When they came, God stopped speaking to me. And I have to now maneuver to hear God's voice. At first I thought, ah, is there something wrong? Then one day I heard Papa Higgins and he said, oh, when he traveled, when he was traveling on the road, oh, he had more time for prayer. When he came to, to the house, no time to pray. Because my little daughter would come and say, read to me. And I have to say, this is Adam, this is Eve, this is elephant, this is monkey, this is color red, color blue, color yellow, okay? Page two, this is color green, color blue, color this, page three, this is giraffe, this is this. Hey! It's not a simple thing. (laughs) Meanwhile, I was praying before she came home. Listen, when somebody goes ahead of you, I I honor all the Catholic priests who have given their lives to stay without getting, and the nuns, the nuns there, oh, super great. And a lot of them, they are not really, you know, we know more things than what you are, shh. Why? 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 Pharisees. Hmm? Ask the person that you are, you are tall. Are you a Pharisee? <laughs> so listen. It's time to move urgently. It's time to believe that this is the only time we will ever have. Ever. Ever. This last Easter. I was wondering, what should I preach about? And the Lord said to me, do you know how many Easter's you preach? Preach your best. Preach. Don't preach as if you preach for 100 Easter times or 25 more Easter's. You don't know how many more Easter's you preach. Preach your best. Because I had some messages and I was going to keep it for later. No, 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 no. Give your best message now. Do your best for Jesus now. Give him your best now. Give him your best right now, urgently, urgently, before you are poisoned by backsliders and by criticizers and critics and people whose hearts are not with God. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for your blessing, your word. We are going to keep moving, Lord. Moving. 
in your will in the name of Jesus Father we thank you just everyone lift your hands to the Lord to be pleasing you tonight. Lord, if you want my services this morning, if you want my services tomorrow, if you want my service when I'm young, if you want my service when I'm old, Lord, I want to be pleasing you. I want to do your will now. I want to serve you now. I want to obey you urgently. I want to move before I am living and I am corrupted and, and deceived, oh God. Help me, Jesus. To be pleasing you. Please. Come on. Lift your hands to Jesus. This is why. everybody for a moment we are going to sing this song one more time two more times but this time I want you to close your eyes and see Jesus sitting on the throne looking at one day I was in Canada ministering and there was a certain lady she was electrified sitting in front and she's and I was talking to her afterwards she said look when you were ministering suddenly it was like a curtain was parted and Jesus was sitting right there and he had crossed his legs and he was just watching. He was just watching everybody. He was watching your ministry. Jesus is here now. And I want you to close your eyes and see him. And tell him from your heart. I want to be pleasing you Lord. This time it's not a song. It's a prayer. From your heart. To be pleasing you.
pleasing you. Lord, we want to be found in you. We want to be found in you, not with our own righteousness, but Lord, having pleased you, having made you happy, that we may please you, Lord. Help us to move, and help us to move urgently when you call us, when you send us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I got a few people for a camp and I told them, listen, I want to send you as missionaries to South America. We're going to go. I said, how many will go? I put six chairs behind me. I said, these six chairs will be filled. How many will go? I had 16 people. I said, the church is not going to sponsor anything. When you were coming to London, nobody sponsored and you just came. We are going to go. We are going to go far. We are going even to South America. Ghanaians, I tell you, we, we, we are accountable to Jesus Christ. One day when we lie down, it's over. Whilst we are here, we are going to do our very best. Amen. And we are not going to do our best thinking we've got all night, all day, all year, all thousand years. Just a short time. Just something short. Past your time of sojourning. Your temporary Stay away from home with fear. It's a blessing. How many are going to rise up quickly and do what must be done quickly, urgently? Father, thank you. If you are here tonight, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Pastor, pray with me. Pray for me. Help me. If you are here like that, just lift your right hand as we close the service. God bless you. God bless you. If you've lifted your hand, stand up, please, so I can see. You want to give your life to Jesus? Okay, I see you. Come, come to me. If you, if you stood up, just come. God bless you. Sing you. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.